Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Someone here this morning is waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting is not easy. By very definition, if you're waiting, that means you're not in control. By very definition, it means that for which you wait is not something that you can cause to happen. And so you're waiting. And if that's you, my heart goes out to you because waiting is not easy. We wait on all kinds of things. One person waits for a letter from that coveted academic institution that will begin with one word, congratulations. Another person waits for a legal issue with what they thought was a friend to be resolved. Someone else waits for pregnancy to come. Another person waits because they are yearning for a life partner, somebody with whom to share life on a permanent basis. Somebody else waits for the doctor to come in the hospital room with a smile and say, I've got good news. Somebody else waits at the bedside of a loved one closing in on the end of the cancer road. And all of us, all of us, I think, wait for the fulfillment of the promise. And if I go, I will come again. And so we sit waiting. But somebody in a particular way waits today, and it's a very difficult and challenging experience because none of us likes to wait. Robert Samuel found that out, 47-year-old New Yorker, about 10, 11 years ago. He was out of a job, needed work, and decided that even in a digital age, there were still lines, still people waiting in queues, and he could offer to wait for them if they would just pay him. And so he began this new endeavor. He would wait in lines for theater tickets or for the release of the latest iPhone or for a particularly high-end hoodie to be released. And he discovered that some of the moneyed people of his area of the world were willing to pay him and pay him well if he would just wait in line for them. In fact, just before the pandemic, that year he made at this job $86,000. So if you're looking for work... Maybe the fact that we dislike waiting so much might provide some income. He now, after the pandemic, has a bit of a company, and together they wait for people like you, people like me, people who don't like to wait. I've concluded that one of the things I really don't enjoy waiting on and for in Southern California is traffic. I mean, isn't that the reality? You sit in traffic, you have no control. Where, why is there a, a snarl up? When is this going to end? When am I going to get to... That's the experience. In fact, I left home at 5 a.m. one morning several years ago, going to pick up my wife. She was landing from an international destination at 8.10 at LAX. I left at 5. I was on the 10 freeway. It was flowing, but it was heavy. When my phone rang about, oh, Rialto probably, somewhere along in there. It was Anita on the other end of the line. She said, we're pushing away from the jetway at DFW. I'll see you soon at LAX. And I said, absolutely. Love you. We hung up. 
And I just kept on in the traffic and more traffic and more traffic. A couple years later, when I got down close to LAX, <laughs> I noticed that the planes were now coming in for landing, and I thought, okay, it's just over that rise. I'm almost there. Phone rang again. Anita said, we just landed. I said, I'm not there yet. She said, what? You mean I flew from Dallas to L.A., and you haven't made it from Rialto to LAX? I said, that's pretty much the shape of things. And I thought, God did not intend me to live this way. <laughs> not this kind of waiting. Waiting is hard. But it's Advent season. And at Advent season, I have some news that's not very good. And here it is. God's people have always waited. Always. Just read their stories. Abraham, the, the man who was called the friend of God, Abraham waited and waited and waited. And beside him, Sarah waited and waited and waited. And surely the two of them looking at one another over their walkers must have thought, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. I'm thinking this is crazy. As I'm reading the story, I'm thinking, God, if you're going to give them a child anyway, give it to them in their 20s, not in their 90s. Why make them wait? But the people of God have always waited. David, another one who waited. David, who was anointed king. The oil would have run down over his hair, his beard, onto his clothing. You are the king. There's just one uh, minor problem Somebody's still on the throne. So you got to wait. So David waited and waited. Now, at least David had something to do while he waited, like run for his life all over the country, running for his life. But the, the narrative underneath it all is the fact that David is waiting, waiting for the purpose of God to come to pass. Just peruse the pages. Just read the story. We're, we're at Advent season, the time when the child was born. You remember that the people of God waited not years, not decades, not centuries, but millennia for that promise to be fulfilled. The people of God have always waited. It ought not then be a surprise to see this aging man shuffle onto the temple grounds on that special day. He is just getting in line with all the others who have waited. His name is Simeon. He's an often overlooked character of Christmas. He's, he's one of those that is, is likely to have felt forgotten. And yet here he comes, he encounters a stepfather, a mother, and the baby. And it's what happens in that interchange that guides us this Advent season. So I go back to the story to just read part of it. We want to look for two phrases in this story that will help us understand what Advent might mean for us in 2023. So we go to Luke's Gospel, the second chapter, and begin in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon 
who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to call the, cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The text doesn't tell us Simeon's age. But he's likely quite elderly. We say that for two reasons. One, because the text quotes God as saying, you're, you're not going to die until you see this come to pass. And then when it does, you hear Simeon saying, that's it, Lord, now you can take me. I'm done. I have reached the pinnacle of life. I'm ready now to die. So in this story, we want to identify two simple phrases that will tell us the story of Advent according to Simeon. The first one is the first part of the second sentence of verse 25. It's very brief, but very pregnant. It says simply this, he, meaning Simeon, he was waiting. Waiting. I don't like to wait. And I suspect that I'm not alone. But it's one thing to wait in line for tickets to the play. It's one thing to drive in traffic and wait to get there. It's an entirely different experience to wait for something that has profound impact on your life. To wait for something, the lack of which will cause you to say, I don't know about my belief anymore. I don't know how I can understand the ways of God in the world if this doesn't happen. That kind of waiting can be profoundly difficult. Waiting in a hospital room, praying together. The pastor comes, the chaplain comes, the family gathers around. We pray, the patient prays, the family prays, weeps. We anoint the patient. Everybody seeks to be encouraging and then steps outside of the room and says, I don't understand this. Where is God? I'm so angry at God right now. Why do we wait and wait and pray and it doesn't happen? That kind of waiting is profoundly difficult. There's a waiting that paradoxically I have seen in Loma Linda among young adults. Many times having the privilege of sitting in my office talking with them and saying, and hearing them say, I, I yearn for a partner in life. I live here in a place where there are not hundreds but thousands of other young adults just like me. And yet somehow we're not connecting, not finding. I pray, God, please guide. And here I sit waiting. 
It's the mother who kneels late at night by her bedside. The father who kneels early in the morning by his bedside praying, God, reach my child's heart and turn it toward you. And they wait. That's the reality of Advent. It's tempting to think that Advent is just Christmas. You know, the lights, the carols, the candles, the gifts, the gaiety and merriment of the season. That's Christmas. I enjoy Christmas. But Advent is something different. Advent is the experience of those who have waited for millennia and yet have somehow allowed God to still be active within them, allowed God's Spirit to form and change them, to grip and hold them, and who have said, we refuse to stop, hopefully, waiting. That's Advent. The author Lucy Shaw writes, I'm an impatient, restless person, Slowing down and waiting seem like a waste of time, yet waiting seems to be an inevitable part of the human condition. Henry Nouwen said, waiting is a period of learning. The longer we wait, the more we hear about him for whom we are waiting. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Romans 8, to 25 resonates with Nouwen. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. During a time of waiting, God is vibrantly at work within us. Waiting can make us, as one person put it, either bitter or better. And if it is to make us better, it will do so because we have opened our lives, our hearts to God, and have prayed, God, form me, change me, mold me. As I wait, work on me so that we are, as Peterson said, enlarged in the waiting. That's Advent, waiting. But there's a second phrase there in Luke 2. It's also just a phrase. It's the second phrase in verse 29. It's, it's Simeon holding the babe in his arms, no doubt coming in on a cane. Now the cane has been dropped. And every nerve and fiber of his being is alive with the realization of his hope. Here's what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. God, I've reached the pinnacle. There is nothing that will make my life more worth living than this moment. Could it be that the word there would be receiving? That when the waiting comes to an end, it is the receiving, the receiving of what God has promised, what God gives, that changes everything. And that's Advent too. This must have, needs to have, ought to have, deep meaning for us as Seventh-day Adventists. We believe in the Advent, not just the first Advent, but the fulfillment of that promise, if I go, I will come again. 
And yet, once again, we wait. Wait to receive the fulfillment of the promise. For much of my life, the way we have tried to encourage people is by saying, soon, 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 soon. I have felt it myself, but I've heard it from friends. I don't want to hear that anymore. How long can we continue credibly to say that? Maybe what Simeon teaches us is not how soon it is, but how open our hearts are to the Spirit of God's work within us so that in the waiting, whenever it ends, we are enlarged and transformed and changed and we live faithfully, whether it happens in two weeks or 200 years, because we are open to the work of the Spirit in our lives, knowing that at the end of the wait, we will receive. So does God continue to work in us, to form us and to change us as we wait? Story written by a woman named Nancy Kennedy, writing in today's Christian Woman blog, Kennedy writes this, I'm sitting in yet another hospital waiting room, waiting. Ever since my husband Barry first underwent open heart and quadruple bypass surgery 15 months ago, I've been in this waiting room, or one just like it, more times than I can count on one hand, waiting for him to come out of the operating room. In a little more than a year's time, my vocabulary has increased to include words and phrases such as aneurysm, atrial fib, and EP study with ablation. What they all mean is that I have to put on a cheery face, kiss Barry goodbye, and promise I won't worry about him or forget to eat lunch and lock the garage door at night while he's in the hospital yet again. With all Barry's surgeries and procedures, we've had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year, one of the worst in our 32 years together. Yet, ironically, it has also turned out to be the best. I've learned just how deeply Barry loves me. As he was all prepped and waiting to go into surgery to repair his aortic aneurysm, Barry looked at my friend Tara, who was waiting with us, and said, Make sure Nancy takes care of herself, because if she doesn't, I'll worry wasn't worried about being sliced open again. He was worried about me. I came to faith in Christ three years after Barry and I had married. And for almost 30 years, I prayed about my husband's relationship with the Lord. Then the day of Barry's open heart surgery, he told me that if he died, I'd see him again because Jesus was now his Savior. He prayed with me. He prayed with a friend. He prayed with his surgeon. Barry hasn't stopped praying. He prays with me every day. What I'd asked God for all these years, to heal the spiritual rift in my marriage, to bring my husband and me close, 
God had given. He'd performed open-heart surgery on us, ripping us apart, and then knitting us back together again. Barry and I talk often about this past year, how it's been awful and awfully good. We wouldn't, wish for this, we wouldn't wish this kind of year on anyone and wouldn't want to go through it again for anything, but we're glad it happened. We thank God for the good days and the bad because in all the days, God has held us securely in his grip. We've known God's incredible kindness to us. Our hearts are in his hands. We've had a terrible Horrible, no good, very bad year. And I praise God for it. Friends, it's Advent. The first word of Advent for Simeon is waiting. Someone here today is waiting, and it's profoundly painful. But according to this often overlooked character of Christmas, the one who's often been forgotten, there's a second word to Advent. A second word. If you listen, you can probably hear it. As Simeon says, I have waited and waited and waited. And now, I have received. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at LLUC.org.